Chapter Seven of Glengarry School Days. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Glengarry School Days by Ralph Connor. Chapter Seven, Foxy. After the expulsion of the master, the twentieth school fell upon evil days, for the trustees decided that it would be better to try girl teachers, as Hughie contemptuously called them and this policy prevailed for two or three years, with the result that the big boys left the school, and with their departure the old heroic age passed away, to be succeeded by an age soft, law-abiding, and distinctly commercial. The spirit of this unheroic age was incarnate in the person of Foxy Ross, Foxy got his name, in the first instance, from the peculiar pinky-red shade of hair that crowned his white fat face, but the name stuck to him as appropriately descriptive of his tricks and his manners. His face was large and smooth and fat, with a wide mouth and teeth that glistened when he smiled. His smile was like his face, large and smooth and fat. His eyes, which were light gray, white, Hughie called them, were shifty, avoiding the gaze that sought to read them, or piercingly keen, according as he might choose. After the departure of the big boys, Foxy gradually grew in influence until his only rival in the school was Hughie. Foxy's father was the storekeeper in the twentieth, and this brought within Foxy's reach possibilities of influence that gave him an immense advantage over Hughie. By means of bull's-eyes and licorice sticks, Foxy could win the allegiance of all the smaller boys and many of the bigger ones, while with the girls, both big and small, his willingness to please and his smooth manners won from many affection and from the rest toleration, although Betsy Dan Campbell asserted that whenever Foxy Ross came near her she felt something creeping up her backbone. With the teacher, too, Foxy was a great favorite. He gave her worshipful reverence and many gifts from his father's store, eloquent of his devotion. He was never detected in mischief, and was always ready to expose the misdemeanors of the other boys. Thus it came that Foxy was the paramount influence within the school. Outside, his only rival was Hughie, and at times Hughie's rivalry became dangerous. In all games that called for skill, activity, and reckless daring, Hughie was easily leader. In Old Sow, Prisoner's Base, but especially in the ancient and noble game of Shinny, Hughie shone peerless and supreme. Foxy hated games, and Shinny, the joy of those giants of old who had torn victory from the sixteenth and even from the front one glorious year, was at once Foxy's disgust and terror. As a little boy he could not for the life of him avoid turning his back to wait shuddering, with humping shoulders, for the enemy's charge, and in anything like a melee he could not help jumping into the air at every dangerous stroke. And thus he brought upon himself the contempt, even of boys much smaller than himself, who, under the splendid and heroic example of those who led them, had only one ambition, to get a whack at the ball, and this ambition they gratified on every possible occasion, reckless of consequences. 
Hence, when the last of the big boys, Thomas Finch, against whose solid mass hosts had flung themselves to destruction, finally left the school, Foxy, with great skill, managed to divert the energies of the boys to games less violent and dangerous, and by means of his bull's-eyes and his licorice and his large fat smile, he drew after him a very considerable following of both girls and boys. The most interesting and most successful of Foxy's schemes was the game of store, which he introduced, Foxy himself being the storekeeper. He had the trader's genius for discovering and catering to the weaknesses of people, and hence his store became, for certain days of the week, the center of life during the recreation hours. The store itself was a somewhat pretentious successor to the little brush cabin with wide open front, where in the old days the boys used to gather, and lying upon piles of fragrant balsam boughs before the big blazing fire placed in front, used to listen to the master talk and occasionally read. Foxy's store was built of slabs covered with thick brush and set off with a plank counter and shelves whereon were displayed his wares. His stock was never too large for his personal transportation, but its variety was almost infinite. Bull's-eyes and licorice, maple-sugar and other sweeties were staples. Then, too, there were balls of gum, beautifully clear, which in its raw state Foxy gathered from the ends of the pine logs at the sawmill, and which, by a process of boiling and clarifying, known only to himself, he brought to a marvellous perfection. But Foxy's genius did not confine itself to sweets. He would buy and sell and swap anything, but in swapping no bargain was ever completed unless there was money for Foxy in the deal. He had goods second-hand and new, fish-hooks and marbles, pot-metal knives with brass handles, slate-pencils that would break square, which were greatly desired by all, skate-straps and buckskin wangs. But Foxy's financial ability never displayed itself with more brilliancy than when he organized the various games of the school so as to have them begin and end with the store. When the river and pond were covered with clear black ice, skating would be the rage, and then Foxy's store would be hung with skate-straps and with cedar-bark torches, which were greatly in demand for the skating parties that thronged the pond at night. There were no torches like Foxy's. The dry cedar bark anyone could get from the fences, but Foxy's torches were always well soaked in oil and bound with wire, and were prepared with such excellent skill that they always burned brighter and held together longer than any others. These cedar bark torches Foxy disposed of to the larger boys who came down to the pond at night. Foxy's methods of finance were undoubtedly marked by ability, and inasmuch as his accounts were never audited, the profits were large and sure. He made it a point to purchase a certain proportion of his supplies from his father, who was proud of his son's financial ability, but whether his purchases always equaled his sales, no one ever knew. If the pond and river were covered with snow, then Foxy would organize a deer hunt, when all the old pistols in the section would be brought forth, and the store would display a supply of gun-caps, 
by the explosion of which deadly ammunition the deer would be dropped in their tracks and drawn to the store by prancing steeds whose trappings had been purchased from foxy when the interest in the deer hunt began to show signs of waning foxy would bring forth a supply of gunpowder for the purchase of which any boy who owned a pistol would be ready to bankrupt himself in this hughie took a leading part although he had to depend upon the generosity of others for the thrilling excitement of bringing down his deer with a pistol shot for hughie had never been able to save coppers enough to purchase a pistol of his own but deer-hunting with pistols was forbidden by the teacher from the day when hughie in his eagerness to bring his quarry down left his ramrod in his pistol and firing at alec dan campbell at point-blank range laid him low with a lump on the side of his head as big as a marble the only thing that saved alec's life the teacher declared was his thick crop of black hair foxy was in great wrath at hughie for his recklessness which laid the deer-hunting under the teacher's ban, and which interfered seriously with the profits of the store. But Foxy was far too great a man to allow himself to be checked by any such misfortune as this. He was far too astute to attempt to defy the teacher and carry on the forbidden game, but with great ability he adapted the principles of deer-hunting to a game even more exciting and profitable he organized the game of injuns some of the boys being set apart as settlers who were to defend the fort of which the store was the centre the rest to constitute the invading force of savages the result was that the trade in caps and gunpowder was brisker than ever for not only was the powder needed for the pistols but even larger quantities were necessary for the slow matches which hissed their wrath at the approaching enemy and the mounted guns for which earthen ink bottles did excellently set out on a big stump to explode to the destruction of scores of creeping redskins advancing through the bush who after being mutilated and mangled by these terrible explosions were dragged into the camp and scalped foxy's success was phenomenal the few pennies and fewer half-dimes and dimes that the boys had hoarded for many long weeks would soon have been exhausted had hughie not wrecked the game hughie alone had no fear of foxy but despised him utterly he had stood and yelled when those heroes of old murdy and don cameron curly ross and ranald macdonald and last but not to be despised thomas finch had done battle with the enemy from the sixteenth or the front and he could not bring himself to acknowledge the leadership of foxy ross for all his bull's-eyes and licorice not but what hughie yearned for bull's-eyes and licorice with great yearning but these could not atone to him for the loss out of his life of the stir and rush and daring of the old fighting days and it galled him that the boys of the sixteenth could flout the boys of the twentieth in all places and on all occasions with impunity but above all it seemed to him a standing disgrace that the habitant teamsters from the north who in former days found it a necessary and wise precaution to put their horses to a gallop as they passed the school in order to escape with sleighs intact from the hordes that lined the roadway now drove slowly past the very gate without an apparent tremor but besides all this 
He had an instinctive shrinking from Foxy, and sympathized with Betsy Dan in her creepy feeling whenever he approached. Hence he refused allegiance, and drew upon himself Foxy's jealous hatred. It was one of Foxy's few errors in judgment that, from his desire to humiliate Hughie and to bring him to a proper state of subjection, he succeeded in shutting him out from the leadership in the game of Injuns, for Hughie promptly refused a subordinate position and withdrew like Achilles to his tent. But unlike Achilles, though he sulked, he sulked actively and to some purpose, for, drawing off with him his two faithful henchmen, Fusie, neither Hughie nor anyone else ever knew another name for the little French boy who had drifted into the settlement and made his home with the MacLeods, and Davy Scotch, a cousin of Davy MacDougall, newly arrived from Scotland. He placed them in positions which commanded the store entrance and waited until the settlers had all departed upon their expedition against the invading Indians. Foxy, with one or two smaller boys, was left in charge of the store, waiting for trade. In a few moments Foxy's head appeared at the door, when, whiz, a snowball skinned his ear and flattened itself with a bang against the slabs. "'Hold on there! Stop that! You're too close up!' shouted Foxy, thinking that the invaders were breaking the rules of the game. Bang! A snowball from another quarter caught him fair in the neck. "'Here, you fools, you! Stop that!' cried Foxy, turning in the direction whence the snowball came, and dodging round to the side of the store. But this was Hughie's point of attack, and soon Foxy found that the only place of refuge was inside, whither he fled, closing the door after him. Immediately the door became a target for the hidden foe. Meantime the Indian war was progressing, but now and again a settler would return to the fort for ammunition, and the moment he reached the door a volley of snowballs would catch him and hasten his entrance. Once in, it was dangerous to come out. By degrees Hughie augmented his besieging force from the more adventurous settlers and Indians, and placed them in the bush surrounding the door. The war game was demoralized but the new game proved so much more interesting that it was taken up with enthusiasm and prosecuted with vigor. It was rare sport. For the whole noon hour Hughie and his bombarding force kept Foxy and his friends in close confinement, from which they were relieved only by the ringing of the school bell, for at the sound of the bell Hughie and his men, having had their game, fled from Foxy's wrath to the shelter of the school. When Foxy appeared it was discovered that one eye was half shut, but the light that gleamed from the other was sufficiently baleful to give token of the wrath blazing within, and Hughie was not a little anxious to know what form Foxy's vengeance would take. But to his surprise, by the time recess had come, Foxy's wrath had apparently vanished, and he was willing to treat Hughie's exploit in the light of a joke. The truth was, Foxy never allowed passion to interfere with business, and hence he resolved that he must swallow his rage, for he realized clearly that Hughie was far too dangerous as a foe, and that he might become exceedingly valuable as an ally. Within a week Hughie was Foxy's partner in business, enjoying hugely the privilege of dispensing the store goods with certain perquisites that naturally attached to him as storekeeper. End of chapter 7